630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Wild card time in the American League. One of the greatest rivalries in all of sports is on display. Yankees, Red Sox getting underway in a few minutes. Of course, we will keep you updated on that one. NHL preseason action tonight. Early in the second period, Toronto leads Montreal 3-2. Buffalo leads Pittsburgh 2-0. The Predators up 2-1 on the Hurricanes. It is the Islanders with a two-zip lead on the Flyers. Panthers lead the Lightning 1-0. Just getting underway, the Blues and the Stars. Later, three games, including tentacle time, the Kraken against the Canucks. The Canucks are at Rogers Place on Thursday, 5.30 face-off show here on 6.30. Ched, the game will start at 7. Friday, we got the Elks and the Bombers. And then Saturday, we have the Oilers' final preseason game once again against the Canucks. That one's going to be in Van. The regular season starts next Wednesday, Wednesday the 13th. Like, if people are afraid of the number 13, should they not hate the 13th of the month every day, whether it's every month, whether it's on a Friday or not? That's my question there. Anyway, uh, Wednesday the 13th, that's next Wednesday, Canucks at Oilers to start the regular season. That'll be a 6 o'clock face-off show with the uh, game at 8 here on 6.30, Chad. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Yeah, looking forward to uh, following this baseball game. Unfortunately, the Blue Jays just short in their efforts to get a wild-card spot, but... Uh, uh, I, I would think that the uh, Yankees-Boston matchup is something that will draw in even the most casual of baseball fans, at least for a portion of the broadcast tonight. Tomorrow, it is the Cardinals against the uh, heavily favored Dodgers on the National League side of the ledger. So the Oilers got the comeback win last night. Uh, I think certainly some uh, shaky moments in the first uh, half of the game or so, and I think that's going to be the concern for the Oilers here going into the season. I, I, I here's here's how I feel, and you know, it, I, I, I sometimes I hesitate to say this because uh, the the fourteen of you who listen to Inside Sports on a regular basis do not represent the entire Oilers fan base. At least I hope not. Um, but but I get the sense I am less concerned about the goaltending than I am maybe about the decor. Uh, and I guess the reason for that for me for that is I I, I got to give Mike Smith for the credit for the season he had last year i mean a lot of people were unhappy when smith came back to the oilers and said well goaltending is going to be a, a weakness you know these guys aren't good enough smith had a pretty good year so i give him credit for the season and uh you know hope he can be around that level again you know look i, I think he got nurse obviously he's gonna i mean what did he play 29 and 26 minutes the last two exhibition games so he's going to be used a lot in the regular season we know who tyson barry is offensive defenseman going to help what should be an outstanding power play once again it looked pretty good last night basically won the game in the third period uh yes you know five on five he struggles at times but we know why he's on the team keith and cc has sort of been enlisted here as the shutdown pair uh look i I know cc played that role last year with the pittsburgh penguins my question is has he fully transitioned and embraced that role at this point in, in his career and can he do it at a level acceptable for what the Oilers need and with Duncan Keith obviously the guy's resume is incredible if if you've read some stuff especially put out by members of the analytics communities over the summer uh you know concerns maybe about him defending off the rush and some foot speed foot speed concerns and and all those types of things Uh, that pairing had some struggles last night again mostly in the first half of the game well though I think 
probably all, all the Oilers pairings did at some point, and it was Keith's first game back out of the quarantine. So we'll see where they go with that. Th- th- those are my concerns there. Um, Bouchard has played a lot in the exhibition schedule, some good, some uh, maybe not so good. And then you got, you know, Cuckoo, Laguson, and Russell around as well. I think Cuckoo is a pretty steady player for the most part. Nothing spectacular, but I think he's fine on your, or in your third pair. Chris Russell will hopefully make his preseason debut coming up on Thursday against the Canucks. So that, that's kind of how I am with the goal prevention stuff. I, I, I'm worried that, get, you know, uh, the actual defending by the defenseman might be more of an issue than the stops by the goaltender. But we'll see how it goes along. I mean, hey, I, I'm open to to debate and hearing what you think, of course. 780-496-0063 is the hotline presented by Certainty Professional-Grade Building Materials. I, I do want to talk today, though, about a guy up front. And he's a player that's been talked about a lot, like a lot, ever since he was drafted fourth overall in 2016. You know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Bison King. Is that nickname going to stick? I don't know if it will, but I saw some people tweeting it out last night in the wake of uh, Yessi Pugliarvi's Bison adventure a few days ago. Went to Elk Island Park, took a picture next to a bison, and gave a pretty uh, classic clip when asked about it by Mark Spector uh, about the it being a nice and kind bison. Uh, anyway. It is Jesse Pugliarvi, the Bison King. And I, I've posted a poll here on Twitter because I wanted to gauge the level of optimism by, uh, you know, and again, informal poll. We can hardly say it represents everybody, but it gives us a little slice. So I thought, okay, what goal ranges do I want to give? Jesse Pugliarvi slated to play with the best offensive player in the NHL, Connor McDavid, certainly going to help. So I, I thought, what would just be a, uh, a disaster of a season for Jesse Pugliarvi? So I, I'm asking you, how many goals does he get this season? So I thought, okay, 12 goals or less, that's going to be the bottom end. Then I put 13 to 19 goals. And then I put 20 to 26 goals. And last year, if you extrapolate his total over 82 games, he's got He's got a 22-goal season. So I thought, okay, you know, can he be in that range or push it a little more? And then I put, what if he just goes off? What if he really becomes a player who who looks like a fourth overall draft pick and becomes one of the better scorers, maybe not only on the Oilers, but maybe even in the National Hockey League? So I put 27 goals or more for the uh, final choice. Right now, I got 300 people voting, 57% to 20 to 26. Next best is indeed the high end, 31%, 27 goals or more. I got to tell you what, I, I said it a lot at the start of last season, back in January, when I got asked, Reed, what do you expect from Jesse Pugliarvi? I said nothing. And they said, whoa, 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 like you think he's that bad, like he'll literally do nothing. I said, no, what I mean is I have no expectations in terms of being able to define who this player is going to be coming back. I, I just don't have the information. When he was with the Oilers, you know, the last time we saw him with the Oilers in 1819, it wasn't going very well for him and for the team. Uh, he got the surgery. He went and played in Finland, and his stats in Finland were pretty respectable, but it's not the NHL. So I can't tell you what to expect. I really don't know. You know, if you would have told me going into last season, read 10 games into the year, Jesse Pugliarvi is going to be out of the NHL. I would have said, yeah, possible. And if you would have told me, you know, you don't know, he's going to be fine. He's going to be coming along. I would say, yeah, I, I, I seriously can't tell you what to expect. Well, I'm at the point now, and maybe color me a blind optimist wearing rose-colored glasses. I think he's going to be very good. 
I look at Jesse Pugliarvi now, and I see an NHL player. Do I see a perfect NHL player? Of course not. Are, are there areas that are rough around the edges? Absolutely. But I feel like when I watch him now, I am not seeing a player who is trying to figure out what to do moment to moment on the ice. I see a player who's recognizing plays and making the appropriate plays and finishing off some pretty nice goals, whether they're tap-ins in front, whether he's driving the net, taking the pass from Leon, or as we saw against the Jets a few nights ago, he just walks into the top of the circle and drives a slap shot past Eric Comrie, where he just says, to heck with it, everybody. Big shot. I'm using it. Here we go. Boom, boom. Bison kink. So I, I actually think Jesse Pugliarvi is going to score over 20 goals. And quite frankly, I think he has a very good chance to get into the high 20s. He's going to be on the power play sometimes. Zach Hyman's the net, net, uh, net front presence to start with. But he's going to be on the power play sometimes. And again, he's going to play with Connor McDavid, five on five. He's going to play with Hyman two players who can retrieve the puck and get him the puck. And now when Pugliarvi is getting the puck, I don't see a player who's fumbling around in his brain trying to figure out what to do with it and thus fumbling with the puck on the ice. I'm going to point out one particular play from last night. And you might say to me, Reed, what are you talking about? It's one little play. How do you know what was going on? And I, and I accept that because, of course, sometimes maybe we overanalyze things a little bit. Just like I see all these people analyzing this show Squid Games, which, as I've come to understand now, is not a, apparently not about squid, which confuses me enough to begin with. But perhaps that's a tale for another night or later on in this show. I remember a few times last year, Jesse Pugliarvi got the puck and immediately almost slapped it back to the player who gave it to him. Like, it's important to one-touch the puck because sometimes you have to move it quickly and make defenders move their feet and try to draw them out of position. But I feel when Yessi did that last year, he was saying, no, 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 I, I, I do not want this. I'm just putting it right back to you. So, oh, bang, back to you. I don't have to deal with it. I can't make a mistake. There was a rush yesterday where he was crossing the blue line and he got the pass as he was going over the line and he didn't stop it. He slapped it right over to his left to Connor McDavid, who was moving faster than him in stride over the blue line. And I, I remember thinking to myself when this play happened, okay, is that the Jesse Pugliarvi of last season who is almost befuddled when he gets the opportunity to handle the puck and has to pass it off like a bizarre game of musical chairs or perhaps musical pucks, which was something we played in Evansburg when I was a child? Or was that Jesse Pugliarvi saying, Connor's going fast. I got to get this to him right now. I'm going to chop it to him immediately, and, and then we go from there. I felt it was the latter. I felt it was an appropriate play on the attack as opposed to Pugliarvi saying, whoa, baby, whoa, I don't want this thing. I'd sooner be riding a bison than have to handle the puck. So I think he's coming along. I think he's coming along, and I'm optimistic about what the, where the young man can go. And he's not so young anymore. He's now 23 years of age, and I think, you know, we talk a lot about Hyman being a really good complimentary player for McDavid. I think Pugliarvi has, has become that as well. And it appears most people share my optimism which is nice. Optimism is always good. Happy to hear from you. 780-496-0063. Jack Michaels is coming up as we roll along. We'll go to Winnipeg to talk to Doug Brown. Pretty significant news there. Uh, Kenny Lawler, one of their best players, isn't going to play against the Elks on Friday. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet.
tell me about Elk Island Park and that buffalo. Uh, yeah, we went there and we went a little walk there and the bison was like 10 meters there and take a couple pictures, picture with bison. So it was funny and uh, the bison was kind. Nice bison. Uh, <laughs> didn't move. Didn't move at all. So he stood there and let you take take his picture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do they have bison in Finland? They must. No, no. Uh, only uh, moose, big moose and reindeers. There we go. That's a great clip. Uh, I, you know, Yessi's personality. Rob and I were talking about it on the Face Off show yesterday there's there's something sort of uh joyful about him and and i think i think you need a, a mix in the dressing room I, I mean we talk a lot about well you know guys being good in the room and attitudes and all that kind of stuff i, I think you need a mix. i honestly think if everybody on a team was upbeat and happy all the time i don't know if that would work I quite frankly think you need a couple borderline surly guys sometimes <laughs> that are going to, you know, uh, maybe uh, balance it a little bit and uh, and keep it uh, maybe a little on edge and never let everybody get too high. And I also think you need those guys like uh, like Yessi who are going to find a way to make people smile no matter what. Yeah, good good for him for sure. By the way, here's an off-topic topic for tonight, if you want to, 780-496-0063. Don't forget, you can also email me, insidesports at 630ched.com. Oh, and that Twitter uh, poll on Yessi's goal prediction for the upcoming year, if uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, and again, I warn you, it is a pretty boring Twitter account, uh, a lot of tweets about hockey and, and the Elks, uh, at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. The closest you've ever been to an animal that could have harmed you if had the situation gone poorly maybe un, maybe you were in the situation unknowingly i have had a few friends say to me in the last couple of days whoa 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 what if that bison decided to start running at poor jesse <laughs> uh, well luckily it didn't so the closest you have ever been to an animal that could have caused you considerable harm had the situation gone differently Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. louie writes into the show he says every time i see puliyarvi he's got the right attitude and his good nature is contagious he's really helping the oilers gel i hope you are right and he has a killer year that is from louie another texter says he's matured and he also sees the game a whole lot better and is a whole lot more mature. I like how how you put that anonymous texture. He sees the game better. He's not just seeing where the puck came from. He's seeing the next step in the play, or he's seeing we, where he has to go to make himself available for a shot. Uh, somebody else writes in and says, call me a blind man, but I'm going to say Pugliarvi, 30 goals, 50-point season with the uh, longer year. That would be a heck of a year. Harry says, read your thoughts on Yamamoto. I think he is not as advertised from his first 25 games, playing like a fourth liner. Perhaps he needs more seasoning in the AHL. Yeah, here's here's how I look at that, Harry. I, I think that those, uh, I think it was 27 games. He had 26 points in 27 games when he came up on uh, for that New Year's Eve game. When will that be? Uh, New Year's Eve 2019, I guess. You know, I think that was that was a bit of an explosion from Yamamoto. And I think last year, hopefully was a bit of a down year. Harry, I'll tell you this. I'd be fine if the Kyler Yamamoto the Oilers wind up with for the next several seasons is sort of comfortably in the, in between those two extremes. I mean, I don't, I don't think he's going to be a point-of-game player, even if he's with Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins most of the year. Hopefully he's a lot better than four goals in the last 40, 41 games, whatever it worked out to last year. 
I, I think he's a, an extremely hardworking player. I think he's extremely motivated. I think he's good at dogging the puck. He's clearly getting the first opportunity with uh, Nugent Hopkins and Dreisaitl. You know, I think Cassian goes uh, goes in there if if Yamamoto falls off and Yamamoto moves down into the bottom six. Harry, I got to tell you, at this point, I don't see him going back to Bakersfield. I think the Oilers already think he got the seasoning in Bakersfield, and now they uh, need to see where he fits into the National Hockey League. Okay, we got to call a quick. Oh, we're getting animal texts already. This is going to be fun. Uh, Jack Michaels coming up. Who knows where that's going to go? It's Inside Sports on six thirty, Chet. Bogarts for the Red Sox in the bottom of the first, now into the top of the second. Red Sox leading the Yankees 2-0 in the American League wildcard game. Hockey tonight late in the second period. Toronto up 5-2 on the Canadians. They're also out shooting the Habs 37-13. Nick Ritchie with a couple of goals for Toronto. It is the Sabres leading the Penguins 3-1. Predators up 2-1 on the Hurricanes. After two, Islanders two, Flyers nothing. Late second period, 1-1. Panthers and Lightning, no score late in the first between the Blues and the Stars. Three games coming up later, including Vancouver home to Seattle. Uh, in the uh, it, it, Because of uh, Jesse, Jesse Pugliarvi's uh, close encounter somewhat with the Bison, I asked, what was the uh, closest you ever were to an animal that could have done you extreme damage had things gone wrong, whether you knew it or not. Alberta Oil says inches away from stepping on a rattlesnake while working down south. Mark in St. Albert said, Reed, I was two feet from about 10 bull sharks diving with them. The smallest one was about five feet. Wow, it's St. Albert, Mark. <laughs> right in the Sturgeon River, I guess, eh? <laughs> Uh, well, there's a few good ones here. I'll just read one more before I get to Jack. I'll save some for later. Uh, this texture says, I was at a panda research center in China with my wife and two kids. The grumpy zookeeper told our interpreter we can go in if we wanted to see the panda. Next thing I know, we're standing right beside the panda who was sitting down eating bamboo uh, next to my wife and two teenage kids. Do you know how big a panda's canines are? We're still alive, but that bamboo is devastated. They are not soft and cuddly. They are more wiry. Close encounter with a panda, yes, which I believe are rather uh, large animals when it comes right down to it. Speaking of large, friendly animals, Jack Michaels is on the line. Jack, how are you doing? I'm a little intrigued that you uh, you didn't know that a panda was that large an animal until right now. No, I did know that. That's what I was saying, that I, I knew they were large. They are okay. big. I just wanted to make sure. Like one of the species like is a giant a panda. <laughs> yeah. I thought you might have watched too many Kung Fu Panda movies or whatever. I don't know if I've seen any of those. See, I don't have any kids, so I, I, I kind of have missed out on the that part of my life where you watch kids' movies not because you're a kid but because you're an adult with uh, kids. So now are, are you familiar with the Kung Fu Panda movies? Is that something uh, you're off I'm not, but I remember when it was in, like, it wasn't it in you know McDonald's or they they you know they they gave the toys away with Happy Meals or something. And by the way, Rita, I don't think that's the only thing you've missed out on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, fair enough. Yeah, there's a lot of things that 
Changing a diaper? No idea. For, I wouldn't know where to begin. No, no. On other people, I was anyway. About life in general, but whatever. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I've, yeah, I, I've missed out on quite a bit, as I'm sure we, we all have, Jack. We, we proceed. <laughs> okay, closest. You're, you're, you got yourself all giggly here. Close. I, close I am encounter. giggly. I, I find it. I, I, I find it curious that that was the one thing you felt like you'd missed out on. The closest encounter I ever came uh, to an animal that could have done you know, I mean, other than being on, uh, you know, right before the pandemic, I, tr- I took a trip to Cabo and got, uh, you know, almost unreasonably co- close to a whale. Uh, you know, we went on a whale watching tour and, you know, I, I was very skeptical and didn't want to spend the money. I thought it was stupid. And then, you know, we're in this little skip and I mean, we were right there with them. I mean, I felt like this seems unsafe, but uh, beyond like a tour type of thing, I had a moose go after uh, my dog Izzy. Izzy was the precursor to Roger, both black and tans. Uh, Izzy was a, a rot, rotty lab mix. Roger is a border collie shepherd, but that's irrespective of this conversation. I did have a moose try to stomp my dog. Uh, moose are certainly not, it's, it's not unheard of. Especially when the snow gets deep, they don't like that. So they end up trotting around in roads and backyards and things of that nature. And uh, I had a dog who was very uh, protective, did not like other dogs, did not like any other animals, and, and kind of bit off more than she could chew. And long story short, I tried to rescue it. But I've actually got a photo of that uh, sequence, not with me in it, but with the uh, moose about to trample uh, my Roddy lab mix. Oh wow! Okay, well you have to show me that photo next time. That's 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 a bit of a spooky one for sure. Jack yeah. Michaels checking in tonight on Inside Sports. Are, are you? you? Moose or I had one born in my backyard. Did, did I ever told you about that? No, I like we used to have moose in the in the yard in Evansburg, north of Evansburg, quite a bit. I don't think I was ever outside and close to one at the same time. But they would wander oh, yeah. in no, and eat I stuff out of the garden sometimes. I had a moose. I mean, I watched a moose being born, uh, and I had an iPhone one at the time. And that's the one thing I wish, you know, I'm not sure I was as relevant with the technology, but that's something we should have somehow downloaded onto a computer and somehow been able to save that sucker. Cause that was pretty wild watching a moose walk for the first time. And we were so, you know, kind of amazed by what we were seeing in our, in our backyard, literally in our backyard, uh, that I didn't, I didn't consider the consequences that I had to take the long way around to get the kids to uh, preschool and could not let the dog out in the backyard for, for weeks. Cause if you think a moose is mean normally, uh, try having it, uh, you know, intercede with, uh, one of its offspring, uh, that, that is an angry animal. So, uh, this was that in was Alaska, Jack? What's that? Oh yeah. That was, was in it? Alaska, yeah. but we were prisoners in our own home. Uh, at least, you know, I mean, we were consigned to front yard and, and beyond uh, for about a month. That was uh, that was a little less fun. All right. Yeah, that's a great story. Uh, before we get to the hockey stuff, baseball game, I mentioned Yankees, Red Sox. Look off the top of the show. I called it one of the greatest rivalries in sports. You and I and Bob have had this discussion on and off air that at least, you know, certainly for me, baseball does not 
pull me in like it used to. Uh, you know, I can remember the 0304 American League Championship Series, Yankees and Red Sox, to, to me, classic series, epic endings in uh, in both. But I'll, I'll keep an eye on this one tonight. Where, where are you at with this game? Yeah, I'll be, I was watching it actually, I mean, number one, because I knew you'd give me some sort of ill-timed update if I tried to tape it and then watch it later. So I, I was watching right up until the moment uh, you called. Uh, so I'm, I'm well aware that Boston's up to nothing. I'd appreciate no further updates until this conversation is history, but yeah, I'm the same way. Baseball doesn't have the same grip on me. It once does once did, but I, I still, you know, watch the playoffs and, you know, when the tribe is in it, you know, then I'm, then I'm fixated, but you know, when Cleveland's not involved, I'm, I'm not as transfixed and I'm also, you know, pretty partial to the pirates and it's been a while since they've been good. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be watching tonight for sure. All right. Jack Michaels joining us on uh, Inside Sports. He's going to have the call of the next two Oilers games here on 630 Chet and the Oilers Radio Network. Vancouver Thursday. Oh, yeah, sorry. I, I, I'm i not thinking beyond the preseason right now, but you, well, you're going to oh, be doing am, a lot of games. trust me. <laughs> I am, I'm trust so me. focused on the preseason, Jack. I'm yes. one game at a time, baby. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I put out a poll on Twitter, and as we know, uh, Twitter is the be-all and end-all of everything. It beat Facebook for several hours yesterday. I wanted to see how optimistic people were about Jesse Pugliarvi, so I put 12 goals or less, less than 1%. 13 to 19 goals is a 12 and a half percent. We got 59 percent, 20 to 26 goals, which is likely where he would have been last year if it was a full season. And a full 27 percent of over 600 voters are really optimistic and say 27 goals or more for Pugliarvi. I talked about him a lot in the first half of the show, and I'll sum it up this way to you, Jack, to react to. He no longer looks to me like a player trying to figure out how to play in the NHL. He, he looks like an NHL player who's trying to figure out how to make plays and do all those types of things. Well, Rob Brown and I had a chance to, you know, sit and watch the the last couple of games in a way that, that normally we wouldn't. And, and the one thing I've noticed is his cruising speed still eats up so much ground. He's, he's a powerful skater. And I, I understand that, you know, McDavid uh, with the blinding speed and, and Leon Dreisaitl with the straight lines to the net usually get most of the, you know, attention when it comes to the best skaters on the team. But I think yes, Apuliarvi is going to give him run run for their money. I mean that his each stride of his eats up so much ground, and and he's you know he's a big man and he plays big. He's got a wide range. He he covers a lot of ice. He can be a you know a, a, a really good forechecker just by making himself wide through the shoulders. I mean he just. You know, there's not a whole lot of lanes for a defenseman to work around with with a guy like that bearing down on you. So that's what I I was really impressed with, almost mesmerized with his skating. Uh, and his skating, of course, you know, like like everything in hockey, puts you in great position to do damage at the offensive end. I mean, that's the one thing we've seen in in today's NHL is there's no way around it. You've got to be a great skater to be a great player in the National Hockey League these days. And I think Yesapul Yarvi, that that skating stride, that power in his stride, even when he's not going full out, uh, you know, has has really been one of the reasons I think he's improved so much. Is he knows where the right spot is, and because he's so powerful uh, and explosive on his skates, he's he's able to get to that position relatively easily. 
Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I didn't talk too much about his, his skating in the, in the first part of the show. I was talking more about his, his finish and his, his recognition and now seeing plays ahead of time as opposed to maybe being reluctant or trying to figure it out. You know, he kind of knows where he wants the puck to go, where he wants to go. And I th- and look, I, I don't know how many... I don't know how, what was that shot against Comrie Jack forty feet maybe I don't know how many forty feet forty foot slap shots are going to go in in the regular season but just the fact that he was willing to take it that just the fact he was willing to say hey I'm I'm driving this one on net and maybe it's a goal maybe it's a rebound whatever but I'm not hesitating I got the shot here and I'm going to use it like to me that's a little sign of a player who's not hesitant anymore. Well, it's a good sign because you know Bob and I one of the things that that drive us batty sometimes about today's game is even the most elite players are, you know, sometimes are, are just too selective when it comes to shooting the puck and, and even the very best in the game. And there's probably a handful of times each year where, you know, where Bob comments on the fact that, you know, had Connor McDavid not been such an unselfish player, he probably would have been better off shooting the puck in that circumstance. There's, you know, again, a handful of circumstances where the best players in the game make that play so when when you see a guy you know not afraid to shoot it from any spot on the ice and this is where i think brendan perlini is has made a name for himself you know that's a good thing but you know coaches don't mind that you're not a selfish player and you know some of that's drummed into you and and you know you you need to get away from that if that's a strength of yours and puyarvi you know, he does have a good shot. He does have a heavy shot. And you're right to talk about it, Reed, because it's like Nugent Hopkins. It seems to get on you in a hurry, too. It's it's deceptively hard. So, again, I, I think there's I think there's reason for optimism around uh, yes. And, you know, again, I, I'm not going to go too crazy on this because, you know, remember, I, I don't know how much time he's going to see on the power play. And, you know, so I, I don't know whether – you know, anything north of 27 goals is, you know, is 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 pushing it a little bit. But I definitely see Yesapuliyarvi as a guy who's going to contribute. I, I would estimate somewhere between 22 and 24 goals this year. I mean, that's that's kind of a pretty narrow window, but that's that's kind of where I see him slotting in. And you know, again, it's it's going to be another. That's not to say that that's going to be his ceiling either, because I still think he's finding out how strong how powerful and how dominant he can be that was something that very early in Leon Drysaddle's career Todd McClellan stressed is he he went to Leon and said you know you don't have to be the second best guy on the ice tonight you can be the best guy even though you're playing with Connor McDavid and I think Leon really took that to heart and as a result, there are numerous nights during the season where Leon Drysaddle's the best player on the ice. I'm not saying that Yesapuliarvi is going to occupy the same strata that Leon Drysaddle and Connor McDavid currently do in the National Hockey League, where you could arguably call them the two best players in the game. But I do think on certain nights, Yesapuliarvi does have an opportunity to be the best player on the ice. Once he realizes that, then I think we're going to find out what his ceiling really is. All right, uh, quickly, Trucker Trav says, hey, Reed, when is Jack's first call on TV? So there you go. I can let you answer, Trucker Trav. That's game three against Anaheim. So I think, what is that, Tuesday 19th. The, the 19th, would that be? Yeah. Yeah, so that'll be that'll be Cam's first call on 630, Ched, and, uh, you know, my first call on Sportsnet. So that's that's where we sit as of now. 
Uh, I only have my schedule through the end of November. Uh, certainly looking forward to the start of the year and, and getting the games going for real. And, and we got a taste of it last night. And Connor McDavid said it best. That felt less like a preseason game and more toward a very realistic prequel to a regular season game. Jack, always appreciate you coming on the show. I'll see you at the rink tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of the baseball game, my man. <laughs> I'll do that for sure. Take care. That is Jack Michaels, play-by-play voice for the Oilers here on 630 Ched and Sportsnet West. He does both. He's very talented. And I didn't spoil the baseball score for him during that entire interview. Back after the break, we got more of your animal stories and Doug Brown coming up. Elk struggling this year, two and five. They're going to play at Winnipeg on Friday. We got the game for you here on 630 Ched. Your your animal close encounter stories. Jared says, I was charged by a ram at Ram River Falls climbing a steep incline. I was lucky. Well, it is called Ram River. Scott in Calgary says, read the most dangerous animal I've had a close encounter with was a moose on my hiking trail about 20 feet in front of me when I was in my 20s. It must have been close to seven feet tall at the shoulders. Yeah, I, I feel like that, and we had somebody else writing about the, you know how large the panda was. I feel like we don't really grasp how large some of these animals are that we just see on TV or are in pictures. And then we, when we see them in the wild, it's like, oh my goodness, they're giants. Mark, well, okay, first of all, Mark, I, I like how you present this. Mark wrote in one text, and then a minute later, he wrote in another text. So Mark's first text was grizzly, 25 feet, fly fishing. So grizzly, comma, 25 feet, comma, fly fishing. Mm-hmm. So that kind of painted a picture for me, Kellen. And then Mark wrote back to clarify, I was fly fishing, not the bear. <laughs> See, I just feel like from reading those two texts that Mark and I would get along. You mean it wasn't like a children's yeah. novel? Yeah, Come I, on. I, I, that's, I must love how he clarified that. Like, Because his first text, grizzly, so he paints the picture. The grizzly, 25 feet, fly fishing. So I see the grizzly, then I see the 25-foot distance, and then I see Mark fly fishing. But he wrote back to clarify, I was fly fishing, not the bear. Now, maybe that's a might be a better story if the bear was fly fishing. Mm-hmm. That might be what do we still have that overnight show with all the aliens and stuff? I don't no, think we have that anymore. No. Yeah, that was that was probably the best show ever on Chet. What was it called? Uh, Up late at night? Yeah. No, it was called uh the show. The the one oh, with coast, the aliens. coast to coast. Coast to coast, yeah. Coast to coast AM. So it actually didn't have aliens in the title at all. But the, a fly fishing bear, that would that would fit into that show. That was a good show. <laughs> Cheddar, Cheddar the goat's ready to go. Yep. The agreeable beaver says in grade five or six, I was walking our long driveway to the bus. I encountered a beaver on the way. I got about eight feet away from him. He reared up on his hind legs and started slapping his tail. It seemed like he was five feet tall. Yeah, uh, I've had one of our dogs back north of Evansburg got into a wrestling match with a beaver. And I I was a kid and I remember being surprised at how, uh, how large the beaver was. Anyway, Doug Brown is coming up. We'll talk a little bit about that bomber story. Kenny Lawler suspended by the team for driving under the influence. Back after the news and weather.
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.